Ezekiel chapter 18. And we won't read all of this chapter for time's sake. Uh, we'd like to look down towards the latter end. But to get the context of what he's talking about, he begins the chapter saying that uh, they had a proverb in Israel that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth were set on edge. And what they were saying there was that the fathers have sinned and God is going to require that of the children. Well, God's going to tell them here that proverb's not going to be said any longer. For the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Now, we're, we're living in a day today, I, I believe, quite visible that man would like to skirt any responsibility that he has towards God, any responsibility for his actions. Man believes and is living life. He's going to get away with everything he does and he's not accountable to anyone. God says that's not true. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And the thing about God is, God is unlike you and I are. When Adam fell in the garden, man fell into depravity, into a place where even his thinking and reasoning was corrupted. And Solomon said this of man, that every way of a man was right in his own eyes. And that's the way you and I are. We're able to justify, to reason out in our mind why we're right and why we're better than somebody else. And there's always somebody else that we're better than. In our own eyes, we're able to justify ourselves and our path. Well, God's not like that. God's equitable. That word means He's fair and the same to all. Peter said it like this, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't look at the Waldrops and do them different than He does the Hunt Singers or anybody else through the house. God deals and will hold every man to the same standard, to the same word, and to the same responsibility. All are the same and all are equal. So He, he gives this in a parable. If there's a father that's wicked, that's sinful, that's ungodly, commits all manner of sin, and he begets a son that is good, righteous, seeking God, desiring to do God's will, the father will die for his sin, the son will live for his righteousness. So you see, it's got nothing to do with who my parents are. It's got nothing to do with who uh, my grandparents were, what they did, whether they were saints of God and preachers of the gospel, or whether they were wicked and vile sinners. That has no bearing on my standing with God. A lot of folks hold to that. They hold to what their parents were. And my parents took me to church and they were good people. And mama read her Bible and daddy was the pastor. None of those things matter with me, my standing before God. Whether they were righteous or sinful, I'm still going to stand accountable for me. So in verse 24, we'll read. Ezekiel 18, verse 24. But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned in his trespass 
that he has trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Yet, you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my ways equal, and are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness, and committeth iniquity, and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed, and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive, because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. So we may look at the rest of this chapter as we go onward. But here... When the righteous man. So here's a man that's done and strove to do the right thing through his life. A man that's tried to live the Word of God. A man that's sought after God and labored to do the will of God. But you know when he sins, he's guilty before the Lord. And the Lord says, When the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity. When the man sins, he becomes guilty before God. No matter how righteous that he was before. Man thinks, well, I've done more good in my life than I've done evil, and that's going to justify me with God. Well, if that's the case, then why would the Lord send His Son to be crucified for our sins and iniquities? That, that cannot be the case. Man cannot make it, and we've got... Plenty of Scripture to back that up. That man is unable to keep the law of God for righteousness. There is no justification found in the law. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Over and over and over again, we find ourselves as guilty. And you know, God says, and God's righteousness is a perfect keeping of the law. So if we're all going to be measured this morning by the law of God and we're going to be found righteous, then throughout our life to this point, we're going to have to be perfect. And according to this verse 24, if we've been righteous for the most part, but if we've sinned, if we've committed iniquity, if we've committed a trespass, if there's a place, and, and let's just say it like this, if I've done something I knew was the wrong thing, then I've sinned, I've committed a trespass, I've committed iniquity, all my righteousness is forgotten, and I'm as guilty before God as the wickedest and vilest man in the world. Man has a hard time with that. Man grades on a sliding scale. God grades pass or fail. And without perfection... Man's guilty. God's equitable to all, remember? And so he says in James that if he's keep the whole law yet guilty in one point, he's broken all the commandments. He's guilty of all the commandments. So as we look at the Word of God then, who then is righteous? 
Who then, by God's standard, is able to stand before God in the judgment and God declare him to be right and innocent of the law? Who is able to stand before God and God declare them? You know, I can stand before you today and I can declare myself to be right with God. I could declare Keith to be right with God. But you know what we ought to be concerned about is what does God say about us as individuals? Are we right with God today? Are we right? By the law, we're not right. We're not going to stand before God and be justified by the law for we've sinned in one place and therefore we're guilty before the Lord. His righteousness shall not be mentioned. I'm not going to be able to claim one good thing that I've done before God. That man that came into the wedding without a garment on, he cast him out into outer darkness and the man was speechless before the master of the house. There's where man's going to be. He's going to enter in before God, guilty with all of his sins, and he's going to be speechless. There's not going to be one thing that I can claim that I've done before God and receive any credibility. So yet you say, the way of the Lord is not equal. You know what man says? That's not fair. I'm better than these people down the road and up the road. I'm better than the people that's in Asheville. It's not fair that God would do me like He's going to do them. Well, see, that's where God's different than you and I. Where I would have partiality towards my children, towards my brother, towards my parents. I would be harsher on somebody that I didn't know than somebody that I I know and that I love and that's my family. God is the same with all. And as God looks today, whether we're in church or we're at the house, whether we're on our knees praying we carry a Bible, or whether we uh, don't believe anything at all, if we've sinned, we're guilty before God and in need of a Savior, in need of a means of repentance. So he says, When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done, he shall die. It's not injustice here. God's not being unfair. Have you sinned? Then if you die in your sins, and know this, we're talking about more than a grave. Everybody's going to the grave. But in Matthew 25, he divides the sheep from the goats, to those on his right, he says, enter into the kingdom prepared from before the foundation of the world. To those on his left, he says, depart into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So there's a judgment that is to come. There's a destination where man can dwell with God There's a place where man is going to dwell in the wrath and in the punishment of God. You know what determines that? How good I've been. Not by this Scripture here. No, God's equal. God's fair. And even when the righteous and the good man would sin, he's going to have to die for that sin. When the righteous man fails, when the good people sin, when the churchgoers when they don't keep the law to its perfection, they're going to have to die for their sins. Now, man 
Man says, well, you're not leaving us any hope. Well, in you and in me, in the church people as a whole, in Spring Creek, there is no hope. There is no hope by the ability and by the strength of man. We're all guilty. And that's what the law's there to do. The law's a schoolmaster to point me to Christ. It's to leave me in a place where I have no hope before God and that I would look to the Lord Jesus Christ for redemption and salvation. But you know this here. And again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. So notice the contrast. You've got a righteous man that's dying because of his iniquity. And you've got a wicked man. These are the words of the Bible. A wicked man that repents and he's forgiven and can live. Now that's a pretty great contrast. The wicked's going to be saved and the righteous are going to die. You know, I've I've heard my pastor say this many times and I believe it to be the truth that you'll never get too evil You'll never be too wicked. You'll never be too sinful for God to save you. But you can be too good. You can be so good and right and moral in your own eyes that you see no need for the Savior. You see no need for redemption. But the Bible says, when the wicked man turneth to those, doesn't matter who, there's no end to sin that God is able to forgive through His Son Jesus, but to those that would come to Him and seek forgiveness, there's mercy, there's compassion, there's grace, there's redemption, there's salvation there in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. But He's the only place that there is. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There's no other hope for mankind outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're living in a day where they promote that all roads lead to heaven. Whatever you believe and whatever you think, that's okay. You can get there based on that. Well, if if that's the standard then, what confusion that there is in our world. Every man with his own opinion. Every man with his own thought. But you know, God gave us His Word and He preserved it year after year. Hundreds and thousands of years. The Word of God has been preserved and He's given it to me that I might know what God requires. God does not want man stepping out of this life undone and wicked and in sin and stepping off into the judgment without having knowledge of that. God could cover this up, let you think you're alright, and we'd have no hope. But the Word of God is there to speak to us, to open our eyes to our sin and to our iniquity, that we might be as this wicked man and turn from the wickedness, turn from the sinfulness, turn from the life that we've once lived, Jesus Christ in repentance because He considered. Now this is why 
that the wicked man is going to live because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he has committed. Now the righteous man, when he considers, he says, well, look how good I've done. I mean, I was baptized and made a profession when I was a young and I've been to church my whole life. I've been a church member. I believe the Bible. I believe in Jesus. And why that's, that's just good enough does not consider the need of salvation. But the wicked man, when he considers, when he looks back and sees just how a failure that he's been before God, just how guilty that he is before the Lord, he considereth his iniquity, he considereth his transgressions, willful sin. Sin where I knew what God said. And yet I went against it anyway. Would you say, would you say in our country that if we didn't know the speed limit and we were speeding, it's a little different than if we saw the sign? We know what it is and we speed anyway. One is unintentional. One is intentional. Well, I wonder how in, how many intentional sins do we have before God? Bless Him, Lord. How many times have we knew what God said and willfully rebelled against what God said? How many times have we knew... Now tell me, is that somebody that's righteous? God says those that break the law, they are going to be guilty and die in their sins. Except they return and repent. Consider and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live, and he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel, yet saith the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not equal. Now this is where they're hung up. That God saying a wicked man, a sinful man can repent and be saved, and yet the righteous can sin one time and die for his iniquity. Well now here's where, here's where they couldn't see it. They thought they were better than everybody else. That's what man has a hard time grasping a hold of. Man has a hard time seeing that he is just like everybody else. Because remember, in our own mind, in our own thinking, we're better. We're right in our own eyes. We're good in our own sight. And when we measure ourselves among ourselves... We're just as good, if not better, than everybody else that we know. And why? Well, if this one's saved, then I'm just as good as they are. And this one over here, there's no way. I'm way better than they are. Surely I'm right with God. That's what Israel done. And when God said, if you've sinned, you're going to die, Israel needs to repent just like everybody else needs to repent. They said, wait a minute, that's not fair, God. We're better than the Egyptians and we're better than the Babylonians and we're more righteous than everybody else. We don't need to repent. It's the wicked that needs to repent. Well, God says those that live are those that turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him and Him alone is their life, is their salvation, and is there mercy? There's none good. That's the Word of God. There is none good. No, not one. What place does the Lord leave for me to think that I am above anybody else? 
If you're saved, you're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He did the work. He drew. He saved. Yet the house of Israel saith, The way of the Lord is not equal. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal? God says, I'm the one that's fair. You're the one that's unfair. You're unfairly accusing and throwing down others while exalting yourself. God says, I'm applying the law and I'm applying the law equally unto all men. The standard that I'm going to hold those that's out in the world, the atheists and all the wicked people that you can think of, God's going to hold them accountable to a standard. But know this, you're going to be held accountable to the same standard. And if the man has broke the law, he's going to be guilty. And if you have broke the law, you're guilty of yourself. You know what all of man needs from the church house under the, uh, the drunk house today? The world needs a Savior and a means for his sins to be forgiven. A place for his iniquity to be cast. And a place for him to find righteousness that does not come from him. Because we've sinned no righteousness. We're guilty by the law of God. We're sinned to die because we've transgressed the law of God. But you know the Lord Jesus, He was sentenced to die not because that He had broken the law. He had no sin. He had kept the law. He was righteous before God. But He was sentenced to die to take my place in death. The Lord Jesus died because I was guilty and was required to die. See, today, in our world, if you know enough folks, or you got enough money, you can get your way out of the law of the United States or the law of the state of North Carolina by who you know, by what kind of money you got. God's not like that. The law doesn't get skirted, but every transgression and disobedience must receive a just recompense of reward. So I've sinned. I'm to die because I've sinned. You have sinned. I'm not wrong in saying that. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if any man say that he hath not sinned, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. That's the Word of God. So the Lord says... That I'm to die because I've sinned and transgressed the commandment of God. Not dying in a grave, dying eternally in the furnace of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. An eternal punishment. That eternity, that means it can't ever be paid. I can never pay for that. I'll be perpetually paying for that. That law... And that judgment, that justice must be satisfied. God can't say, well, chief, I like you. I'm going to let you in. See, that would be unfair. Keith would be being held to a different standard than I would be because God's allowed him to come in and cast me out. No, the law and the the justice of God must be satisfied. There the Lord Jesus stepped in. You know, the Lord Jesus died, and in that death and in His suffering and on that cross, He paid the debt that 
that owed. So that when in Jesus Christ the church stands before God, they're not standing based on who they are, but they have received, as he says of Abraham, imputed righteousness. They have received the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ by imputation and the guilt and the death that the law requires of them that was paid by the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) So that the wicked and the sinful can live before God in Jesus Christ. Now, if, if that's not wonderful news, I don't know what's... But you know, the world hates this. Very few places will hear preaching of the law. All they want to hear is love, love, love. Well, the law is part of the message of God. The law is a requirement and it's the schoolmaster to bring me to the love of God. I've first got to learn that I'm a sinner, that I'm guilty, that I'm in need of somebody to step in, uh, before the judge for me and argue my case. More so than that, I'm in need of somebody that's paid the penalty that I owe to the law of God and to God's righteousness. The Lord Jesus is all of those things. He's my advocate before the Father. He's making intercession for those that are His and He's doing so today. He's not quit. He's not retired. But He is currently making intercession for those that belong to God. He was the propitiation, the wrath of God and the judgment that uh, laid on my back and that I was bearing. The Lord Jesus bore that on the cross and satisfied God justice and His wrath and the righteousness of the law, He lived a life of perfection that I could receive righteousness. A complete work all in the Lord Jesus Christ. All performed by the Son of God. It's sure, certain, and steadfast because He's already done the work. I don't have to wonder whether my salvation is going to be complete when I die. The work of salvation is already done and it's already been accepted. God has already approved it and said I accept this method for sinners to be saved because He rose the Lord Jesus from the dead. We have witness and testimony that God has accepted the from the dead. Well, I don't know if the Lord's rose from the dead or not. Well, he says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, if the Lord's not risen, you're dead in your sins. There's no hope for you. And all them that have died, there's no hope for them either. They've all perished. So if he's not risen, we've, we've got absolutely. And all we've got to look forward to. The Lord has risen. And now listen now. We live in a very cynical world. But you know, the Roman Empire 1,500, 2,000, 2,400 years ago, ain't nobody alive witnessed that with their own eyes. You know what they go off of? Written down accounts. They found scrolls. They found stones. 
with inscription and with writings. And they know about the ancient world by the writings that they found. Now they bank their history accounts on writings that they found. And yet our world wants to take the book that's been tried, that's been tested, that's been scrutinized, that's been searched out time after time. They'd like to take the written down historical account of the Lord Jesus' resurrection and make you believe that it's not the truth. Paul said to the Corinthians, he was seen of 500 at one time, many of which are alive today. Now I realize they're not alive right now. But to those when that letter was written, Paul says you can go search them out and you can find the people that laid their eyes on him. Resurrected eyewitnesses. It's sure, steadfast, and finished. O house of Israel, are not my ways equal, are not your ways unequal. The truth now, do we not just excuse ourselves? Unfairly so. I'll let sin in my life slide that I'm going to hold this fella down the road accountable for. I'll let my children sin and I won't pay it no attention when I'm going to hold this man's son accountable for that. I'll tell you, we're unequal and we're unfair in our judgment. But God's fair, God's just, God's righteous in all things. And in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can find mercy, but outside of Outside of the Lord Jesus, you will die for your sin. You'll be accountable for your transgression. You'll be judged for your iniquity. And your soul will be cast into furnace of fire. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways saith the Lord God. I don't, I don't really know how to say this. And it be perfectly understandable. Because Him saying He's going to judge me for my ways, that don't bring me any comfort. I'm, I'm glad of this. I'm glad I'm not going to be judged for your ways. But my ways are bad enough. By my ways, I'm going to have to die. By your ways, outside of Jesus now, you're going to have to die. God's not going to judge you for what somebody up and down the road's done. We ought not be concerned about what somebody up and down the road is doing. We ought not be concerned about the sin that's in our community. We ought not be concerned about what's going on in our country. The world has been wicked from the days of Noah. And you know, the firstborn child on the face of the earth, he murdered his brother. Cain, the firstborn. The first child ever born. See the world. The world's been wicked from the beginning. God's not saying you need to be worried about everybody else. God's saying, look to you. I'm going to judge you according to your ways. What your parents did, that's got no part in how you're going to be judged. What your children do, that's got no part in how you're going to be judged. What my wife does, that plays no part upon how I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be accountable for my actions and for my deeds. Amen. Bless him, Lord. Equal. So what does God conclude? Repent and turn yourselves 
from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. You know what's destroying man today? Sin and iniquity. You know what's destroying? Look at it naturally. You know what's bringing our country down? Sin, wicked reasoning, and trying to get away from the Word of God. That's leading the United States of America as a country into the hole and into destruction and into ruin. But you bring it down now individually, you know what's going to lead you to your ruin? Sin is. That that man enjoys and loves and receives so much satisfaction out of is sin. That's what man loves. And the Lord says in Hebrews that there's pleasure in sin for a season. There's a time that sin is enjoyable. But know this, that the end of that way, the wages of sin, the end of that pathway is ruin. Don't allow and the devil be your ruin. God says repent and turn yourselves. What does the Lord Jesus come preaching? His first message that I can see. John the Baptist's first message that we can see in the book of Mark is repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. God's been preaching from the very beginning. He's been preaching for man to repent from his wickedness and turn to Him for mercy. Bless Him, Lord. You come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. You know who's going to be cast away? Those that won't come. Those that are hard-hearted. Those that are stiff-necked. Those that see no need for repentance. Those that see no need for forgiveness. Those that are right in their own eyes. Bless Him, Lord Jesus. It was in the book of Acts, I believe. I don't remember where Paul was preaching, but they tried to run him out of town. And Paul said, Since you have judged yourself unworthy of eternal life. Who rejected? They did. God didn't turn his back and say, No, I'm not willing to forgive that people. Be unfair, wouldn't it? It'd be unfair. No, they turned their back. They wouldn't hear. And they wouldn't repent. God says, repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions so iniquity shall not be your ruin. You know, heaven, that's as sure as anything that there is on the earth for them that are saved. But for them that are outside of the Lord Jesus, as sure as heaven is, hell is as sure for them. Those that are outside of the Lord, iniquity will ruin them. Well, I'm different than everybody else. I've done a little better than everybody else. It's not going to be my ruin. That's not what the Bible says. Cast away from you all your transgressions, whereby ye have transgressed. Make a new, you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live. God calling for man to turn from his iniquity to God's truth to turn from what he is and look to the Lord for forgiveness and salvation. He 
says in 1st 2nd Corinthians chapter 5, they that are in Christ are a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's all the same work that we're reading about here in Ezekiel. The new heart and the new spirit, that's a result of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the work of God taking place in the heart of those that the Lord says, repent, turn yourselves, and He'll forgive. Amen. And listen to this question now. For why will you die? If you was in the hospital bed right now, and I don't want to be carnal or silly, but it's, it's just as fitting. If you was in the hospital bed right now and the doctor said, look, you got four blockages, and if I don't fix them, you'll be dead in six hours. I can fix them and you've got a good prognosis. Is anybody going to say, no, nah, don't worry about it. I just, I'm just going to die here. No, I know what I'd say. Lay me open and do it quick. I don't want to die. Why would you die? Now, God's asking that spiritually. God's saying, why would you go and face me in the judgment, be found guilty, and die for your iniquity? Why would you choose to be judged for your sin and be cast into a lake of fire? Why would you decide, why would you judge, why would you determine that you're willing to die and go to hell for all eternity and reject salvation? That's what he says. Why will you die? And a lot of people will, won't they? I know you men that have preached, been pastors, held revivals, the multitude turn and go away from the gospel. But you know what they do? Ain't got nothing to do with whether I'm saved or not. Where your children are, that ain't got nothing to do with it either. It's where you at right And will you turn? For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. You know how we know that God loves the world. He sung already. The Bible tells me. You know what the Bible tells me? That God commendeth his love. That word means to exhibit. Like they do at the museum. Put on display. He exhibited his love for us in that while we were sinners... The Lord Jesus died for us. You know why that was? As payment for my sin. That I could be saved. God has no pleasure in the death of him that dieth. But know this. If I reject the gospel, and if I deny him, he's just, he's holy, he's righteous, he will not deny himself. Justice will have to be served, and I'll have to pay. Why will you die, O house of Israel? That's all that's on our heart.